When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Colin Beardsley, Shearer and Ferdinand, Joe Kinnear and <laughs> Newcastle United have had some great partnerships over the years and the Newcastle Natter is delighted to announce another one between us and Beer52.com. We've teamed up with Beer52 to bring you, the Natter listeners, free beer. You can claim eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com forward slash Newcastle. That's beer52.com forward slash Newcastle and cover just £4.95 for the postage. What's more, Newcastle Natter listeners get two extra free beers. That's a total of 10 free beers. Beer52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beers from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. Each month, Beer52 will deliver you a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer52 is that they don't hold you to ransom, there's no lock-in and you can leave at any time. Unlike being a Newcastle supporter, which unfortunately is for life. Sign up and your first box will be sent to you the next day. As well as that, you'll receive a copy of Craft Beer Magazine Ferment and a cheeky snack thrown in. Just go to beer52.com forward slash Newcastle to get your first case of eight beers for free. And don't forget, Newcastle Natter customers get an extra two unmissable beers free. That's beer52.com forward slash Newcastle. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. No, it's not 2016 it's fergus craig <laughs> genuinely back as what? your host hello uh i'm joined pl- i'm pleased to be joined by in person paul doolan hello and on the phone dave watson i'm back i have uh returned to the uk i am living in the same city as paul doolan and uh, before I had even got through immigration, I demanded 
<laughs> that I would return as host. <laughs> they said anything to declare, and you said just one thing. I am the host of the Newcastle Matter. It's like when Vladimir Putin stopped being president for a while and became prime minister, <laughs> but then came back as president. Uh, no, it, it's good to be back. I think I'm best suited to being host because I'm the one who asks the questions and uh, it's definitely not the one who knows the answers. Yeah. yeah, I don't like talking too much either, so I'm firmly on board with this arrangement. Okay. And, and I've got too many robust opinions. Uh, can't be trusted. That's true. Your, your robust opinion. You're more suited to LBC. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, we might as well get straight in with the football, seeing as it's been so fantastic. Um, would you say we had a good Christmas, Dave? Mm, to be honest, a really mixed bag. If you look at December, you know, we had three wins in there and four losses, so... Pretty much, you know, what we'd expect against some of the the opposition that we face, like Everton and Leicester, and man, man, you. But honestly, the the performances, even against Sheffield United, Southampton, Crystal Palace, where we got the wins, they were abject. So mixed bag. We're still thirteenth. We're still, you know, five points off Man U. In I think they're in six or something like that. And, you know, we're five points off the relegation spot, so... Actually, we... actually, Paul, um, I forget how long it is since we've done uh, a Newcastle Natter, but uh, when I said Christmas, I was thinking of sort of Boxing Day and onwards, which has been pretty miserable, which, as I remember, is the way every Christmas goes for both Newcastle Night yeah. United and me. Yeah, it's <laughs> nothing new for either. But... Uh, we should probably start things off on a positive note, and uh, I assume this was uh, after uh, we recorded our last podcast. Uh, Crystal Palace at home, uh, Almiron got uh, a goal, his first goal for us in since moving to us. It was a wonderful moment, wasn't it, Paul? The winning goal. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember it. But he's now got two in five games. Do you want me to describe it? Yeah, Dave's fully in love with Almiron, so he'll... Oh, I do love that little bizarre eyebrow little freak. Um, it was in a game where it just didn't look like either team wanted to score. You know, Crystal Palace and ourselves are amongst the worst for shots and goals, so it wasn't a great shot that it was a nil-nil going into like the 75th, 80th minute or something like that. And then uh, Cross comes over and nodded down by Andy Carroll, who's, you know, when he's played, he's looked decent. And then um, Almiron takes it really, really well, to be fair. But he was completely unmarked, just outside the six-yard box. Left foot volley, well, left foot half volley. Bang, smashed it. I remember it well. It was was one of my favourite moments of the last few years. You know, it was was towards the end of the game. It was a player who uh, has had a hard time with us. I remember him taking his shirt off and grabbing a ball boy. That was nice. He grabbed a ball boy. Yeah. All it sounds like, a lot more threatening when I say it like that. That, boy boy, that ball boy was actually in his contract. He's on a ball boy bonus. <laughs> if he, every, every, that's his goals bonus. Every time, every time he scores a goal at home, he gets a ball boy. So um, <laughs> that was in I tell, I tell you what it brought to mind. It was um, a similar like, outpouring of positive emotion 
even though it meant a lot less than the goal itself. But um, it reminded me of Jonas's, like Gutierrez's. Oh, the winner. West Ham one. Yeah, against West Ham. I mean, obviously, it's not in the same ballpark because there's a lot more going on in that story than than just not scoring but trying hard. But just that, like, outpouring from St James's Park faithful for a player who's been getting stick for his lack of goals, for him to finally get a goal and for it not to be one off the arse or, you know, it, it was he, he took it well and it was it required confidence to take the shot. I was I was absolutely and it, delighted. For it him. wasn't the consolation goal in a three-one defeat. It wasn't. Um, it, it, it was at the end of the game, and it was a winning goal, and it was at home, and it was, uh, from what I remember, a fantastic moment, and sent me into the Christmas season. Um, and it was with joy in was, my heart. Go it on. was swiftly followed by another pretty fantastic moment in the following game. Uh, Matty Longstaff's goal. Matty Longstaff. Yeah. So uh, we played Man United. We can't go through all of these games yeah, in detail, no, no, but no. it's worth mentioning. We played Man United away. We had, of course, beaten them at home. The Longstaff brothers played together in that home game and got compared to Carrick and Scholes, and we were all excited yeah. about the new <laughs> Xavi and Iniesta in our um, uh, in our coming up from our academy. And then Matty Longstaff scored the first goal, as he had done against them at home. And mm. not only was it a great goal, but he also did... Do you remember his celebration, Paul? No. I've, no I, mean, I do. I think I should point out, over Christmas, I've not watched a lot of football. That's totally fine. I've mainly watched highlights myself. But um, his celebration, uh, he... Describe it, Dave. He, in- he injected himself with oh. heroin. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, he, he mined, you know, injectors into my veins, which I think is... is Why? But it's a meme, Paul. <laughs> when when something is something, uh, people, if, some, if it is something that somebody's enjoying, um, like, I don't know, uh, a goal, for example, against the bitter rivals, people on Twitter will post a tweet of, um, I think it's Barney, what's his name from uh, Flintstones, the drunk? Rubble? Barney Gumbo? Yeah. Isn't a drunk in the Flintstones? Are you mixing up the Simpsons, Simpsons and the Flintstones? You're putting them together. <laughs> Who's the alcoholic in the Flintstones? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I think it's Barney Gumbo. But anyway, he, he there's Barney Gumbo. Barney Rubble in, in the, the Simpsons in, in the Flintstones. The Simpsons. The Flintstones. I think it's that's really not important. Okay, I wasn't aware anyway. that there was a physical action that came. Barney Gumble, I think. Okay, I was. I'm remembering, I'm I'm old, but I remember uh, Robbie, Robbie Fowler, Robbie Fowler uh, <laughs> pretending to snort the uh, the white line. Do you remember Gerard Julio's defence of that at the time? Though no, I don't. He said uh, Robbie Fowler was pretending to be a cow, miming chewing the grass. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I don't think right. anyone, including himself, believed that for a I th- second. I thought Matty Longstaff was just taking that one step further, you know. I thought maybe, yeah. had there been rumours that I hadn't heard about? No, 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 he is just injecting into my veins. It's a, it's, a, it's a Twitter thing, lads. It's a Twitter thing. Oh, it's all a Twitter thing, man. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately we lost that game 4-1. Not, yeah, let's not push enti- over that. Not entirely <laughs> unexpected. But um, big thanks for Matty Longstaff for making it worthwhile. Um, yeah. Then, you know, we're not going to go through these, but we, we lost uh, 2-1 to Everton, Shaw got a goal. We lost 3-0 to Leicester. They're a brilliant side this season. And, yeah, they are. Uh, then 
in the most recent game, we were in the FA Cup and uh, started quite well. I we mean, we were playing a, League One Rochdale. We named a fairly strong side considering recent lineups we've had in the FA Cup third round. But it was it seemed odd going three at the back against a League Two side. Like, I get why we have to in the Premiership because we're just set up to defend and counter-attack. But you'd think if there's ever a time to sort of dominate, this would be it. But I only saw bits of the first half. So I was quite surprised at the vitriol after because from what I could see, we were all over them and it was a foregone conclusion we were going to hammer them. Dave? Yeah, we were all over them in the first half, but we kept having chances and failing to put them away. And Rochdale just Was Joel Linton not playing then? Because... We've, we've got a clinical striker. <laughs> well, Joe Linton, I mean, he he played okay in the first half, but really faded in the second. And to be honest, all of the, all of the players in the second half faded. I mean, Atu and Yedlin were having all kinds of fun on the flanks. And uh, the Rochdale manager actually made a substitution on like oh, roughly on about the half hour to try and just change things up because the amount of space and time our two flank uh, two wide men on the flanks had it was it was criminal and that we weren't three or four goals up is because the quality of the crosses coming in weren't Premier League and the quality of the finishing was not Premier League um, it was an absolutely deserved draw for Rochdale and the fact that their equaliser was scored by the same player that Bruce was digging out before the um, before the game. It's just icing on the cake for them because he was saying he's basically saying that oh well they've got a forty year old striker on. Well, I'm a sixty year old defender. I could lace up my boots and have a game. And it's like oh mate, don't have a go at him before the match. Just show a bit of class. He also said nobody wants to lose to bloody Rochdale. Well, that's your team talk right there, you dickhead. What I get the feeling, at? Dave, that you are firmly in the anti-Bruce camp once again. I would, I would happily give him. Um, I would happily see the back of him, happily, if I had any faith in in actually replacing him with somebody better. But if Bruce goes, it will just be Alan Kervishley or Tony Pulis or Sam Allardyce again. You know, just some fucking useless plank and um, so I'm not Bruce out but I'm just fully aware that we're playing the worst football I've seen in years I mean I'm not going to like I wrote loads of stats down and I could <laughs> I bet you did mate. Tears with them, <laughs> I bet you but did. honestly it's just essentially an every performance metric going we are terrible like fewest shots, most shots allowed, everything. Just everything is fucking awful. Points, mate. Points. Well, even then, yeah. the points were only five points off relegation spot. Yeah. Give, but, I mean, we're, we're only 15 more points to get to 40. So you're really looking five wins and we're safe. Look, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get into this, uh, you know, more deeply after the break. But... Um, we should just uh, mention that Almiron got, as we mentioned earlier, got another goal, a very well-taken goal in the mm. first half. Um, so that was nice to see, Paul. Yeah. Um, it looks like he might have... We need someone to find scoring form beyond the back line. So it is 
quite nice. With so many defenders injured now as well, that's all of our main goal scorers out. <laughs> so we need someone to pick up the mantle. That's true. But um, yes, the second half uh, was uh, terrible and a 40-year-old scoring the winner. I mean, a 40, he should be a deputy head, not a, <laughs> <laughs> not, not a league one striker. But there will be a replay now on the 14th, I think. So that'll be fun. Yeah, Tuesday the 14th, not even on TV. No. No. Uh, but it'll be uh, at home. And then uh, if we do get through that, who have we got in the... It's a... Oh, I've not seen. Oh, who is it? It's a. It's Oxford. It would be Oxford United at Didn't home. Oxford knock us out the other year? I think they have done before. In one of our worst away games. Like I think it was last season, wasn't it, or the year before? One of our third round. Exits. We were thinking about going to it. Right. Oh, no. I remember Oxford. Yeah. What happened with us, with Oxford, is a Newcastle Natter listener, let's hope that you're, you're, you've stuck with us through thick and thin. Oh, we got I can't, the tickets, didn't we? I can't remember who it was, but a very kind listener sorted out tickets for yes. us, and then they didn't, like, get to me in the post. Yes, that was it. <laughs> it was an absolute cock But I think we missed one of the worst performances of recent years. Yeah. Which Probably was worse than anything we've seen this which season. Which was under which manager? It must have been Steve Bruce, surely. That's who we play all our bad games under. Yeah, according to Dave. According to Dave. <laughs> I don't even like Steve Bruce that much, but before, I like being before, this entrenched against before, Dave. Before, before Steve Bruce, everything was brilliant. Um, <laughs> you couldn't move for wingers just doing lollipops down the touchline. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, now seems as good a time as any to have a break, just so we can stretch before we really kick the shit out of Dave. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> For making completely valid points. And for daring to not be in a room with us. <laughs> All right, see you after the break. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Hello and welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. Uh, Good break, guys. Great break. Good stretches. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Now, uh, no, I mean, Dave, <laughs> I, don't know where I'm, I don't know where I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this. I was going to make the point earlier on that I suppose, like, I, I don't know, I'm just a contrarian, really. It, it, Steve Bruce is, there, is a long way down the list of managers that you want. And the stats, for, there are many stats in favour of your argument in terms of our performance and in terms of his history as a manager. But I feel like at the moment where we are on the table, the sort of like, you know, uh, likelihood of any number of bad things happening, 
Um, I feel like it's indicative of almost any time in the history of Newcastle since we finished fifth under Pardew. Yeah. Any season post that. I mean, the last feels month... sort of like by the by. The last month has sort of crystallised that it doesn't matter what manager we have. We will have a terrible Christmas. We won't turn up for the third round of the FA Cup. And the fans will turn on the team at some point. We just, we Even had, if you've got just, Rafa Benitez, doesn't matter. It will happen... Reg- it's, you can set your watch by it. I'm, see, I, I, I take your point that Newcastle United is a plodding mid-table Premier League side whose owner has no interest in showing any ambition. So where where do we expect to, to, to find ourselves? But because you brought him up, Rafa Benitez was somebody who I had faith in to build the groundwork for us to incrementally improve what we were seeing on the pitch. The football under Benitez um, was pragmatic, it was defensive, but it looked like there was a plan. It looked to me like, yes, we were under a lot of pressure in terms of not having the ball, but we seemed to use the ball when we did have it, whereas now we're just lumping balls aimlessly. The defending I'm not that sure we're doing we did now, use the, the ball when we had it. Is all inside our own penalty box. And there's no keeper in the league who's had to make more saves than Dubravka, and it's and it's by some measure as well. This is this is a team who's riding their luck, and I get that we're not going to be pushing for Europe under Mike Ashley. I understand that. I've accepted that. That's fine. But at least make us like Burnley are a pragmatic dog, like dogged side who don't give up an easy game, but. We are doing that. We are making it easy for teams like rolling over against Leicester when they absolutely tonked us. Rolling over against Norwich, we're not. We're nothing. We're not. We're not a good side. We're I would say, Dave. I, I think that's a bit of an unfair character. Like the Norwich game seemed like a bit of an aberration. Both Leicester games, Leicester have clearly got the make, like the mark of us. But this season, we've come back from behind probably more than we did in the entire Rafa tenure. It just I, I didn't happen before. That. So I think the idea of not having the character to do it and just rolling over is something that's almost gone the other way. I, that, and it's well, not like under Pardew where we could be relied on to get Tonk sort of four, five nil several times a season. No, no. I, I think I think the players. I think that the heads dropped against against Man U certainly when the when the second goal went in. There's far too many individual errors, which for me it's. It's not. It's not a question of quality because Fabian Schaar and Florian Lejeune haven't suddenly become terrible players. What was the game just, where Lejeune like basically had a nervous breakdown? <laughs> Leicester, I think. I think it was Leicester. He's, he's, he's clearly directly not, responsible for two of the goals. He's not fit, yeah. and he shouldn't be playing. But again, it's not like we didn't have individual errors under Rafa. It's the main thing he kept moaning about. Well, I think there's a bit of a rewriting of the history of what we like under Rafa. We were apparently this amazing, well-drilled team that just didn't make mistakes. It's not true. We no, weren't I, I, particularly I entertaining either. I think that's that's an exaggeration of my point. I wasn't saying that we were some amazing team that never made so your, I've, just, you know, your exact words. You said we were amazing. <laughs> Play the tape. Play the Play tape. The tape. I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do a voice. <laughs> that pause there suggested you thought, oh shit, are they actually recording up the tape? <laughs> I think we're slightly more exciting this season, but I don't think that's anything to do with Bruce. I think that's just down to 
Alan St. Maximin. And I think our yes. drop in form is due to him being injured. To be I think fair, making the, it about the managers is sort of missing the common thread. To be fair, in the last year, we've spent like 80, 90 million quid, mm. um, mainly on players who have really uh, underwhelmed. Yes. St. Maximin, when he's played, has been very exciting. But the key in that is when he has played. Almiron, for all that we uh, have grown an affection for him, and hopefully his like promise is about to flower. Yeah. Um, and Joe Linton. I mean, let's get. We can hammer out this that, Bruce the one versus. Thing, go on. Tying into what you're saying, uh, backing up Dave, the one area where Bruce has clearly not followed in Rafa's footsteps and it's hurting us, ties into St. Maximin, is just he's. He's worn players out to the point where injuries are happening. Like last year and the year before, the squad was rotated at crucial moments and we didn't seem to get these injury crises where now you've got players who've played every game in the winter break and they're all just knackered. Yeah, I And think it's sort of chasing like... three points in one game to lose a player like St Maximin for five games Ooh. isn't worth it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, guys, we just felt a quick tremor there. As you, as you know, we record these in Los Angeles. <laughs> I should update my Facebook to say I'm safe. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. I suppose Bruce was under... I'm like, I'm like Bruce's fucking attorney. Um, <laughs> Bruce was under a lot of pressure right from the beginning because he was not the fan's choice. Yeah. And uh, he was and certainly not the housewife's choice. <laughs> and uh, it was the butcher's choice, and we had uh, a, a a very bad start. So yeah, he probably felt under a, like he had to overplay people like Saint Maximin, I guess, and that doesn't yeah. make that doesn't make it right. I'm just by also way it's not his fault. He hasn't got a deep enough, good enough squad. No, but then in defence, he did. He could have rotated our centre backs and not overworked them. Should we yeah. talk about? Uh, Joe Linton for a moment. Uh, he he had another bad game where he he put himself into some situations. It seems like he's got quite a good touch and he'll get himself into the situation to shoot and then fails in the final act. Am I right, Dave? Yeah, I think I, he. I think there's a good player in there, but I think he's being played out of position uh, or rather out of his preferred role as a as a striker he's not and never has been and never will be the target man that Steve Bruce has been playing him as he's best when he's drifting in from the left hand side um, I, I'm trying to think of a, a contemporary example but it, 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 I'm coming Neymar. up with names like I'm coming up with names like I'm Sadio Mane and he's like that's ridiculous because Mane is much better and he's also quicker. He's kind of like a Firmino perhaps, but plays further. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but essentially he's a wide forward who should be receiving the ball to feet with um, runners around him and with or with at least a little bit of close support. And he hasn't been played that way. He's been played up on his own, completely isolated, getting fuck all touches of the ball. And when he does get touches, he's got like two defenders right on his ass, and he just can't he can't get into his rhythm um, because he's been playing out of position, out of his role. But also, some of it lies on him. He's not working hard enough for this team at the minute. And also, you, you mentioned his touch, and I think perhaps it's a confidence thing, but I've been disappointed with his touch. Fair um, 
that was certainly in the, the highlight reels you see on YouTube and stuff. It looks like he's got the touch of a of a I don't know a magician. But what I've, what I've seen so far, I've not been that impressed, and I certainly don't think he's worth forty million quid when we could have got Sebastian Haller, who's more like a target man, or we could have got Rondon for sixteen. And yes, he's got lots of wages, but I still think. £16 million for Salomon Rondon with whatever wages he's, he's demanding. That's the way to go because you know he works. You know he fits the system. You can play around him. He's got a couple of seasons left in him where he can play in the Premier League and you can use those those seasons to identify a true blue um, goal-scoring striker who can play up front and you could have saved, I don't know, £20 million quid and bought Rondon instead at I like Joe Linton as a as, as an idea, but he's just not he's not working out, and he should be dropped for Carroll or for maybe even Gale just to take him out the firing line, to give him a chance to get some confidence back. Play, you know, play him when the when he's up against tired legs, give him the last half hour or something. But he nah, doesn't look like a target lost. man, doesn't he, Paul? Yeah, he's Is quite it like his tall. shape. You could see how he might have just been mistaken for one. Well, there's been games early in the season where. We've even commented on it. Him, he's been able to hold up the ball quite well, and you've sort of seen maybe there is that player in him. But I think as well, first season in the Premier League and not having a winter break, he's he's knackered. He's out of confidence. He's got the crowd on his back, and he's yeah. not very good in the role he's been picked for. But then I'm not sure what his role is, and I definitely don't think we play that role. I read no. I read somewhere this weekend. I think maybe it was George Colkin saying that Joe Linton fits into a policy that uh, Newcastle have had under Ashley, which is buying young players who have promise. This is the first time we've spent this much money on one. Mm. But the idea is that... Um, it was like Cabela and Tova. Yeah, and yeah. Those the idea is that you're going to develop them and sell them on for more, which is a big ask when you bought him for £40 million. I yeah. don't. I think that is very unlikely to come into fruition now. Yeah. But... One thing we've failed in with a lot of those players is actually developing them. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've sort of done it with the defenders, but you don't make the money on them to the same no. extent. But we're such a reactive team. We've said it for years. We don't we don't really have a style of dominating teams. We don't create many chances. So we're not going to... Unless someone is a real talent, we're not going to make a massive profit on them if they're an attacking player. Well, well one person we did... I mean... It, we don't want to talk about financials here, really, guys. But um, one person we did make a profit on, a big one, was, uh, was Perez. Yes. And he got, um, uh, uh, not from us, really, but from uh, Newcastle fans, he got a lot of shit for a long mm. time. Hence that uh, regular celebration of his, which was mm. to yeah. stick his fingers in his ears and say, you know, I don't care what you say, I guess. He went on to a side that are now... Second in the table, yeah. scored against us, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, and you know is having a pretty good season, right? He's like first choice eleven for a side that's doing incredibly well and contributing. And who developed him? Alan Pardew. Alan Pardew. <laughs> Thank you, Alan Pardew. I think I think the problem that you it, it ties into what you were saying about our style of football. Even a player who is impressive for us. The fans, the fans get on the back because we don't make a lot of chances. So when one of our 
forwards or one of our attacking players fucks up one of the few chances we get, it's there's a, it's under a microscope. So when Almiron was breaking through and, and fluffing his shot, the fans were on his back. And instead of being, uh, instead of giving him lots of chances, he's only getting a couple a game, and he's making them himself. But that's not enough for some fans. Because to be fair fans... to to Newcastle fans, I think in general, um, there's been quite a lot of love for Almiron, right? A lot of support. I've been thinking people yeah. have been a bit disappointed and grumbling, but I don't think that. But I think with I don't Almiron, think the attacks have got personal in the way that they have against other players. I, I think well, with Almiron as well. A better example, then. Yeah. Yeah, with Almiron still... from the off, we could see from his first game the talent was there. Like he looked an explosive player, and you could just see it was purely a confidence issue with Almiron because he scored internationally and he's shown what he can do, and he put the effort in. With Joelinton, mm. you don't look at him and think if he was—he's not sort of getting into the positions or working defences hard enough. He's not doing all the work and just not finishing them. Like, like Almiron, you just saw, as soon as he gets one, that's the floodgates going to open. You don't get that feeling with Joel Linton. Okay, now uh, I'm going to go to uh, Twitter now. Go to social media and then, uh, and, and then we'll all fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I've got... Um, I haven't really prepared this, as usual. I've got some tweets here from Alice Ant, which I can reveal is actually my brother. Oh. His name isn't Alice, but that's his Twitter Are name. you revealing this to him live on the podcast? Does he not know? <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's half-brother, same, same dad. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He said, Christmas period proved early season success was lucky. Now karma has hit us. Thank Bruce. Mm. I think Joe Linton is not enjoying life on the tune. He needs time on the bench, but we still need him. Perhaps he's right there. I think, in a way, Andy Carroll can help take the load off. Andy Carroll has already played a lot more than I thought he would for the entire season. Yeah, so he's looked decent. He's looked fit and he's actually run around. He's looked a lot fitter than he did for West Ham. Well, that's interesting. There was something I read about him. I think it might have been in The Athletic, but he was essentially saying that uh, he he did something to his either his knee or his ankle or something like that, something leg-related. And uh, he went in, had the operation, and then something went wrong again. So he went in, had another operation, and then it was like the third time when he went to a different doctor. And the doctor was like, well, that's not been done properly in the first place. Did it properly. And since then, he's not had an issue with that leg. Uh And it, it sounds like he just got bad medical treatment while he was at West Ham. I'm not saying he's now going to go on a run of never being injured because guess what? He's injured. But I think there's like I think it's a decent signing in, in the yeah, experienced Premier League player. That, and that he, sounded a lot like the history of the plumbing in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Should come. I have like sucked my teeth in when I was telling you about <laughs> Just a lot of people coming in and telling me that the glass guy fucked it up. I like the idea of the doctor doing the operation, just going like, who did this? They fucked that up. David Stratton says, uh, I'm, I'm reading this all as fresh, so yeah. um, I'm trying to read ahead ever so slightly, just in case I say something racist. Um <laughs> Uh, David Stratton we've got a healthy points totally in the relegation scrap but the football has been awful Bruce easily gets outclassed tactically but has had a lot of bad luck with injuries not many teams would cope with that volume of missing first team players Bruce doesn't help himself a very balanced sort of analysis there He's, he's gone on both sides 
Joe Linton is still David Stratton. Joe Linton doesn't look like he knows how to score goals, to be honest. Not his fault. Just a disaster from everyone at club involved. Embarrassing almost, but giving him abuse is not at all. Not it's on not on at all. Young lad, new country and language price tag and trying to lead the line in an awful side. I think we're sort of sympathetic to that point of view. Yeah, but uh, good players can come back from that. Like if you remember Gary Speed when he joined, used to get quite bad abuse a lot. And Warren Barton as well, I think, for about the first yeah. season. It's amazing how many players, at all clubs, this is yeah. not unique to Newcastle, but oh, it's yeah. amazing how many uh, players do get a lot of shit. James and, Perch, initially. And yeah, and he went on to... Um, Perchino. Yeah, wasn't he? Didn't he get nominated for the Ballon d'Or? (laughs) (laughs) Bedford Mag, uh, old favourite, friend of the pod, Bedford Mag. We call ourselves the best supporters, then slag our own players off, saying they aren't fit to wear the shirt. On a similar theme. Joe Linton really needs a break on the bench, but we really have no one else to replace him. His confidence is shot to shit. Happy New Year, by the way, says Bedford yeah. Rag. But, you know, I think there's some agreement there. There's definite points there about us not having strikers on the bench. The transfer window's open now, isn't it? The transfer window yeah. is definitely open. Um, you would think, I mean, this is another thing you can set your watch by, like us talking about, are we actually going to sign anyone in the window that we need? Well, today, I'm not sure we will. Today I saw trending that we are not going to sign Glenn Murray. I had never seen that we were going to sign Glenn Murray. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, take we're... Glenn Murray at the minute. I was like, that was like hearing we're not going to sign Douglas Hurd. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent reference. Oh. Um, <laughs> one for the millennials there. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of links that piqued my interest, but as with all transfer rumours, I've taken with a bucket load of salt. One was Olivier Giroud on loan. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a striker of immense quality but he's, you know, he's getting on a bit and he won't be able to start as many games as perhaps we would like. And the other one, which is more exciting, Batshuayi is back on the um, on the radar apparently and we want to get him on loan. I've, I've, heard, I've heard about both of those. I have to say that for me personally, Giroud was the one that, that gave me a semi-erection. Yeah, same here. Oh, I'm, I'm fully tumescent over the thought of Batshuayi. I think he's a cracking striker. But that would be a loan just, signing, right? As well. Yeah, definitely. Both I mean, to buy Batuai would be like 40, 50 million quid or something like that. We're not going to spend that. We're not going to spend um, 40 million quid on an unproven striker. Yeah. I, I just think, well, think Batuai right is a anyway. cracking striker. I mean, he did really well at Palace at uh, the tail end of last season. Um, you know, he's quick, he's a decent finisher, um, not massively strong, but strong enough for the Premier League. And, um, Exciting to watch. Um, certainly looks like he tries hard, so I don't think it's an attitude problem with him that he's not getting the game at Chelsea. I maybe it's just, I don't know what it is, but I, I would absolutely take a punt on Batshuayi. I think he's a great little player. I think getting in another striker would really help just to make Joel Linton not the focal point so we can actually figure out if there is a role for him in this system. Yeah. I would imagine I think- that... Uh, a manager in the position that Frank Lampard is with those quality of players. Certainly with Vakshuai, maybe with Giroud would be different, but I don't think he would want to put a young striker who he values into the situation at Newcastle, where there's so much pressure on the striker. Uh, maybe, and, I don't know. I think you'd look at the other side and say, like, you'd find out if they can handle it and they'd be playing in the Premier League. Yeah. 
and, and bear in mind that Batshuayi went to Crystal Palace when they were in a bit of danger last towards know, the end of last season. I know, but there's there's something different about Newcastle, isn't there? Just we're a big club, Dave. We're a big club. And, <laughs> but I think I think it's the kind of um, environment at the minute where a, an additional striker, and yeah, it doesn't really matter who it is. I think it it, it allows us affords us the opportunity to play a different system because. Um, Joe Linton cannot play as a, as a lone target man, but he can play as a wide forward. So you could play as a as like a four three three, or if you want to keep it three at the back, you can you, you know you can move things around like three four three or whatever. You can move things around, um, and and see if you can get the best out of your forty million pound investment. Or at the very least, you can rotate him and give him a bit of a break and bring him on for the last half an hour or whatever. But I think bringing in an extra striker, then you've got Carroll, the other striker. Maybe if we keep a hold of Muto, he's a body. But Joe Linton, and you've still got the, the gold threats from, or at least the, the danger from St. Maximum, Atsu and Almiron, who can all provide some dy- dynamism. On <laughs> you have about three goals back. between them. <laughs> yes. But yeah, Matt Ritchie being back, I'm excited about just to see what will happen there. Uh, Lagrange uh, asks, who would win in a WWE triple threat style fight between Joe Linton, Hosselu and Riviere? On top of that, what would be their finisher moves? I don't think any of them has a particularly strong finisher. No, I think... I mean, Riviere's rock bottom, isn't he? Yeah, are we talking footballing terms? Who is the best out of them? Yeah, was he asking really there? I think Hosselu would be an upgrade on Joe Linton at the minute. So far, Riviere is the worst of those three. And when yeah. you, as a footballer, if it's who would win the fight, I think Riviere might stand a pretty good chance. Yeah, um, I don't know. He looked a big, well, just weak. I think he, he's got the physique, but I don't think he's got the, um, the aggression, whereas I think hosselu has got a little bit of needle in him, and I quite like that in a player. Cool. Where is Hosselu now? How's he getting on? He's at he Alavaz, died. and he's no, he got didn't. six no, goals in 13 games, <laughs> just off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, six he's doing goals. quite well. Wow. All right. Now, uh, we are playing... Wolves. Wolves. Uh, next weekend, 3 o'clock kickoff. Uh, Wolves, they're sort of finding a bit of form, am I right? Yeah, they're, they're returning to where they... I mean, they're seventh in the league. Um, I mean, they've, they have lost the last two games, but... Um, okay, overall, in that case, they're not finding a bit of form. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are improving. And um, they, they are, I mean, they are a, a good side, a good footballing side, managed by a, somebody who's fairly impressive. I mean, one of the games that they lost last was Liverpool, so... Fine, and the game before that, they actually beat Man City three um, oh, two. The yeah. big disappointment for them is going to obviously going to be the the last uh, last game in the Premier League that they lost two um, uh, one against Watford. Um, even when Watford had a man sent off, uh, that's a really bad result. For oh, Wolves. that's right, but, that was a bad performance. But that was when they they'd played two days before, hadn't they? So you know, yeah. it was, it was Just one quick of those. Update: Hosselu is sixth in the La Liga goal scoring charts. There you go. Well, that's Bayern. <laughs> with how with how many? Uh, seven goals, right? It was it right. was six it was six goals two minutes ago. So <laughs> wow, I've just looked on. You just scored. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah. We need to buy him now. Uh, Paul, do you have a prediction for the Wolves game? 
Uh, I think Wolves will win. I think they've been inconsistent, but that's mainly been start of the season when they've had Europa League games, which yeah. if you've not got the squad for it, will decimate you. But I think, I mean, we're seven to one to win, which sort of tells you how fancied we are. I think two nil Wolves. Oh yeah, I was going to go for that, Dave. Uh, I'll go three nil Wolves. I think we'll get torn apart by. Um, somebody who can actually work out how to set a team up. I think we'll get a goal. 2-1 Wolves. Okay, well that's three um, optimistic predictions for you there. Which means, which means we'll probably win. Yeah. Well, one thing, that, one thing to consider just very quickly is that, um, that they, of course, drew um, nil-nil with Man United in the FA Cup. So they, they've got a um, replay uh, on the same day that we've got a replay with Rochdale. They're away at Man U. So if they want to take um, the cup seriously, which I think is their only chance of... Obviously, their only chance of silverware is to, to win a cup. Um, if they take that seriously, they might field a, a less less than first choice against us, which would up our chances, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, all that's left for me to do now is really... Um, I don't know if you've heard this, Dave, but uh, Paul is doing dry January. Oh yeah, oh, that's I'm, disgusting. I've just returned to the country. I'm absolutely fucking livid. <laughs> <laughs> we can still go to a pub. It's my first. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to go to a pub, and I'm going to persuade Paul. It's not going to happen. Right. Okay. Well, and I'm, you know I'm you can buying buy a Jager golden bonds. ticket. <laughs> What's that, Paul? Do you know you can buy a golden ticket? Where somebody can, if you donate a certain amount to the Dry January or whatever it is, you can you can. Get, I think it's like 15 quid and you're allowed like one night where you're allowed to drink. No, I'm in the weird, smug, healthy bit of dry January at the minute where I don't even fancy a drink. If, the, if this is happening on the 25th, I'd be checking my wallet now. Paul is doing yeah. this not for charity. He's just doing it. Yeah. Prick. Yeah. What a selfish <laughs> prick. I know. Why January? It's always, it shouldn't be January. Oh, I think it's December's like so heavy and there's nothing else to do. And other people are doing it. You just like it's the easiest month to do it. Okay, fine. <laughs> oh, very quickly, what are your predictions for the Rochdale? Because I think that'll be before. I don't give a shit, Dave. All right. Um, <laughs> I think what well, they'll be bef- that'll be before the Rochdale. No, the fourteenth. It'll be well if we're recording this time next week. It'll be as we're doing it. So yeah. So the Rochdale game will be after the Wolves game. And yeah, yeah, no, I just meant will it be not Yes, be right, I understand. Okay, sure. Um, Rochdale. Yeah, okay, no, I understand. You can tell you're rusty. I, I think 3 0 us. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. I think we'll do it. We're at home. Yeah, 2 0 us. Yeah. I think it'll be a very low crowd. 3 yes. 3 1 us with, I don't know, a long. Joel Linton hat trick? Yeah, yeah, that guaranteed. <laughs> no, I think Muto will score another like cup goal. It's a fair bet, I think, isn't yeah. it? To add yeah. to his other cup goal, I said that as if like he's he's like the cup king. I think Matt Ritchie will take that game by the scruff of its neck and headbutt three goals in. Not head them, but just attack them. I would not want to be a corner flag that night. No, no. Okay, all right. Well, I hope so. 
but in the meantime, it's fantastic to be in your ears again. It's fantastic to be back on home soil uh, in my rightful place as, <laughs> as uh, your host and leader. Uh, thank you very much, Dave Watson. Cheers, Fergus. Welcome back. Thank you, Paul Doolan. Good to have you back. And thank you to new, you, the Newcastle listener. Oh, God, I've said that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's he's rusty, so, Dave. Oh, is it, that implies that I was ever professional. <laughs> that's true. In, in my delivery. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. 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 This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.